what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by the one, the only, Jim Turvey. You can find him in the Action Network app and on Twitter, at TurveyBets, where he has killed the NBA and WNBA slate all year long. WNBA keeps rolling along. As you want to get set, make sure that you check out all of Jim's coverage and his picks in the Action Network app. We are, gosh, when, when did the WNBA playoffs start, Jim? Uh, not too long from now uh, to kind of late September. So we're about a month out. We're about the three quarters of the way through the season. Um, got a nice little, you know, mini break for most of the teams while the uh, the Easton's Liberty kind of get us started in what hopefully is the first of uh, many meetings in the next uh, couple months here. Yeah, unless there is an upset. Make sure to check out uh, both Jim's content in the Action Network app. And, of course, on this feed, you can check out the WNBA feed as they are calling it Wuckets, which I love. That's <laughs> just phenomenal. But that is not the topic of today's show, Jim. No, no. This is a Philadelphia 76ers shit show episode. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't necessarily call this an emergency episode. Harden, here's the, the whole timeline. Last Friday, I believe, Adrian Wozorowski of ESPN reports that the Sixers have effectively pulled James Harden from trade talks. I don't know what that means because they were only talking to one team, but Sure, they pulled him from training talks, and their intention is to go into training camp with the hope that Harden will join the team and they'll play and try and figure out a solution later on. Harden, who's in China on an Adidas trip, enjoying that good Chinese money, he goes and he makes this comment to everyone at at this little camp, (laughs) including a bunch of kids that were very confused. Uh, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of an organization he is a part of. Let me say this again, he said. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of an organization that he's a part of. Um, not really mincing words, not really disguising his intentions there. And like Woj follows this up with reporting on, on Monday that Harden has every intention of making this as uncomfortable as possible for the Sixers. So, Jim, I want to get your reaction to it, and then I'll try and provide a little bit of like, the the big picture NBA politics of this and how this is actually going. Well, what's been your reaction to all of this nonsense between Harden and the Sixers? Well, I think the 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 first thing, my first reaction was that word that you said right there is kind of nonsense. I, it it that was what it was to be honest. I mean, you watch that video; it's 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 high comedy to be honest. It's it's the the unintentional comedy levels that just you knew what was going to happen on online. You knew what, what Twitter X, whatever you want to call it was going to do with it. To be honest, it, it, it's also not all that surprising. We've seen this time and time and time and time again. And this isn't even just on her. We just see these relationships break down often in, in the NBA. I, I think, you know, it's a league that has, I think for the better, it prioritized, you know, players being able to take control of their own actions, but there are downsides to it too. And sometimes you see players maybe 
take things to the extremes. And Harden is probably the leader in the clubhouse of taking that to the extreme. So I, to be honest, I, when I look at it from a pure basketball perspective, it almost was one of those, I wouldn't say in one year out the other, it's obviously a huge piece of news, but I immediately started thinking on a a betting level of how can we approach this? We'll be getting to that later, but I, I didn't get too hung up in the weeds of like who said what, who can call who what, who's accountable, because I, I think we're kind of on the same page here. It, it was a little bit nonsensical, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think the the question kind of is, I, for betters, does how this is going or how this happened, does it matter? Probably not. Pro- probably not. Like, look, the, the odds of James Harden never playing in a Sixers uniform again are very, very low. They're almost non-existent to zero. If Simmons wasn't going to play, Harden's not going to play because Harden's got more leverage than Simmons had. Uh, there are other ramifications, which we'll talk about in a second. I will try and do the very abbreviated, to make a long story short, too late kind of summation of this. Harden feels that he had a deal with with Maury. He took less last summer, took that deal, was going into free agency this summer, and would get paid a max contract, a superstar max contract. In the meantime starting at Christmas, and I had heard about it in November, like the word was out that Harden wanted to go back to Houston and Houston was interested in a reunion. And it was like, hey, it sounds like it's very likely that Harden's going to be gone. That was not coming from Houston's side. That was coming from Houston saying, Harden sounds like he wants to come back. And so what Harden effectively did here is he had the backup plan of Philly. Well, if all else goes wrong, at least I'll get the max money from Philly. But I will probably, you know, become a free agent and I'll resign with Houston and go back home and all this. The Rockets hire Ime Odoka, and immediately you start to hear like a shift in the conversation, which is like, yeah, the, you know, the Rockets are it's it might be a thing. They're still interested, but you know, they'll they're going to see what's out there. And the other thing you started to hear was like, hey, the Rockets are very interested in Fred VanVleet. And as we got closer and closer to free agency, the noise about Van Vliet went up and the noise about Harden went down. That's why you started to hear all the talk about like, uh, yeah, you know, Harden may just re-sign with Philly. That's Harden's people being like, uh-oh, musical chairs may have stopped here. The music may have stopped. Go Philly. Yay, Sixers. <laughs> go Sixers, go. And then Maury predictably is like, well, hang on. Like you've, you've been trying to go elsewhere. Like our deal was contingent upon certain agreements and now you're leveraging me against this other team. Uh, and somewhere in there is where the disconnect happened and now you've resulted in this. There's also the idea of like Harden opted in and that Harden opted in with the understanding they would try and trade him. There's probably a difference between Harden agreeing to opt in with the agreement that they'll try and trade him and Harden opting in and demanding to go to one team that doesn't have any assets that they can send Daryl Morey who is still trying to contend with Joel Embiid. So at the end of this, who do I blame? Look, I have, in my experience, there are a lot of things you can say about Daryl Morey. Being untruthful is not necessarily one of them. Morey has been upfront, painfully so. There was a situation a couple of years ago where a player was very worried about being traded. He was a member of the Rockets and he was very worried about getting traded. He loved where he was Houston and he loved playing there. And he goes to Daryl Morey. And he's like, hey, I'm really worried about about getting traded, man. Like, can we can you are we going to get a new contract? Like, I just want to stay. Like, can we I want I don't want to get traded, Daryl. And Daryl said, I know. <laughs> like, 
that's how it goes. Because Daryl's <laughs> always going to be like, he's going to take the emotion out of it, right? Yeah. And so at the end of this is, Harden pretty clearly feels like he's entitled to whatever he wants. And Maury is always going to gravitate towards what is the most logical outcome for his benefit and that of the team. So I don't expect Harden to ever play for the Sixers again. I think that's over. Before we get to the betting stuff, and I know you got some good stuff there, but I, I do want to get like the background on this so we understand the severity of the situation. Two weeks ago, we have Joel Embiid on a panel appearance with Uninterrupted saying, I want to win a championship, whether that's in Philly or somewhere else. That's shot one across the bow. <laughs> uh, now today is Joel has removed Philadelphia and the process from all of his social media handles. Now, look. I personally don't put a lot of stock in that stuff. A number of people have access to these players' social media accounts. They have teams of people that manage them with them. They can tweet if they want. They can DM friends with, with as much as they want on there, but there are the people that have <laughs> access to the account. So there's any number of reasons why he could have done this, right? But it's notable that as... Essentially, the Harden situation is imploding, and Harden is promising to make things uncomfortable as he warms up the fat suit for training camp. Then on the other side of this, Joel is doing the opposite of being like, you know, I hope we can get James back. Like, I just want to win a championship. But if James isn't back, I feel confident in our guys. We've got Tyrese Maxey. Tobias Harris is my guy. Like, that's what you would like to hear, even if it's just complete lip service. You would like to hear that. Instead, you have this. Uh, I will tell you, and I've been, I've said this on You Better You Bet on my radio appearances. I have hinted at it in columns. I have written about it. I've talked about it on this podcast. I have a bet on the New York Knicks now to win the NBA title. And the reason I have a bet on the New York Knicks to win the NBA title is because if Joel Embiid gets traded, I think he goes to New York. And that's enough of, that's enough to justify the value on the Knicks in the market at uh, just absolutely pr pretty predictably ridiculous numbers, 55 to one over at FanDuel. Um, I will ask you before we get to your betting angles, do you have like, it, how much is the Embiid part of this factoring into your betting analysis? Not a whole lot. Uh, I do think, I think for a couple of reasons, you know, I am the, the resident Joel Embiid, uh, supporter. And I, ironically, I'm not, I, I like Joel Embiid. It's more that I feel the need to stand up for him at times. So I think you and Brandon are particularly hard on him. Um, and in my I mind, this season was always going to be kind of a, a last stand type season for Embiid in my mind, to be honest, because I I am of the mind that he has been selling himself out for this MVP to, to win the MVP the last couple of seasons and that it really has hurt him when it comes to the postseason. And I do, again, I am the resident Embiid, you know, backer. So take it with the, the grain of salt that you will. But I do think that before all of this came out, before all of the Harden stuff, before the Embiid um, comments, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was seeing this as the season that he was going to treat the regular season as a warm up for the postseason and finally be ready for the postseason in actuality. Now, I don't know how this changes that because that to me is the most interesting part of this. With Harden in, around, that's a little bit more feasible. Harden can kind of carry the team if Embiid misses some time. If Harden's out of town, I, I love Tyrese Maxey. I think, I think it's actually a decent team that can float to a certain extent, you know, just below 500 without without those two guys. But it's it certainly is not the same level of being able to hand, you know, take take a week off to rest up because you you see the big picture here if James is out of town. So 
I, I, I don't want to be the person. I, I am not the person who's going to be making excuses for Embiid anymore. So if, if Harden is out of town and he does want to treat the regular season as a warm up for the postseason, you know, this is he's going to have to find a way to make sure that that they get there because I, I think that is a legitimate question. Um, if, if Harden is out of town and Embiid is not maybe going as hard in the regular season, which I think in general is actually probably a good thing because we really need to see him at full strength in the postseason. But making those two things work, it, it, when you and I both think that Harden is probably done in Philadelphia, it suddenly is getting a lot a lot more difficult to to imagine. So we'll talk. I've already you know I've given the, the speech about the Knicks situation. I've I've, I've talked about that um, from a, a Sixers position. Let's just talk about the market and where it's at, and then like what I've got for them. So Sixers win total right now at dra- at FanDuel uh, is forty nine and a half. Still, it is even at minus 110 on both sides. So right away, we've got kind of got that. They are minus 1,500 to make the playoffs. No is plus 790, which I was not aware of until uh, this podcast. I will probably be looking at that. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Sixers are 17 to 1 to win the NBA title. Uh, Embiid is 7 to 1 to win uh, a back-to-back MVP. Tyrese Maxey is 15 to 1 to win most improved player. The Sixers are plus 650 to win their division. And I'm sorry, that's a conference. 650 to win the conference and division is plus 270. So that's a look at the market there. Well, Matt, um, before before we go on too much further, there's one name that we still haven't touched on at all and I want to hear the latest on this from you. I, I mean, I'm guessing if we haven't heard it, it's because there is no latest, but that that name is Dame. I'm so I'm really curious about the timing of all this this stuff because I have talked about this before. Damon and Embiid have a good relationship; they're friends, and there was a lot of buzz about the possibility of Dame playing with Embiid at some point. And the idea was like, hey, Dame might get traded this summer, and he might get traded to the Sixers, and he would go and replace Harden. And the fact that both those guys are still in the market, I just kind of wind up being like, doesn't that make the most sense out of all these possibilities? But with Embiid not being for sure in Philly, that explains a little bit of that dynamic as well. Um, there's nothing like new. And if you, the Miami reports have been, the Heat are frustrated because the Blazers won't engage on talks. And the Blazer side of that is, what is there to talk about? You don't have, <laughs> like, you don't suddenly have a great prospect. If you suddenly had Tyrese Maxey, we'd have that conversation. But we're not interested in in Tyler Hero. You got to find a third team. And even then, we're not super excited about it. Even if you do that, there's nothing to talk about right now. And so that's kind of where the Blazers are at in this whole thing. I am very curious about like unforeseen consequences of what happens if the Harden situation implodes and Beat is the next to want out. Like if you're, and this is getting wildly speculative, I want to be very clear on this. This is not reporting. I am. <laughs> I am not reporting this. This is an entirely speculative comment from me. But if you're the Heat and Dame says, like, I want to go there, you should trade Bam and whatever for Embiid. Embiid gets to play with Jimmy, who he loves. (laughs) Bam going on the market would probably open up a lot of things in terms of what assets would go wherever. There's, if you, you can reply to this with like a million why would X team do this? I, I get it. I am not suggesting it. 
what I am telling you is that it is very interesting to me that James Harden is having this situation. Dame is not going to be a trailblazer by the end of the year. And there is a pre-existing relationship between Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid. That at least has me like, huh, like it's interesting. The most likely scenario is that Embiid finishes in Philly this season and then we'll see what happens. Dame goes to Miami. We can talk about that when that happens. And Harden winds up who God knows where, right? So that's like the most likely outcome. But I am interested in the moving pieces of this. Um, at 49 and a half on the win total, I've got them after subtracting Harden. I still have them at 51 wins based off a of power rating. And do you do now, that player based? And do you have like a number of games played for Embiid there? Right. So that would be based off of the same number for Embiid as last season. Mm, yeah. Uh, if he plays less, that's probably ticking us down to about 49 and a half. And so we're, we're right at the number. Um, that's also based off of now, one of the interesting questions kind of here is if we're, we're looking at this and I'm trying to evaluate like how much to take off. I took off about a point from their power rating on Harden. That feels light, but a lot of this is like Harden was worth last season. I have a, I have an article coming out with a uh, top 100. I'm not going to bore everybody with the numbers, but it is kind of interesting. I, I used a metric to take expected wins added and actually translate it into a objective spread value. Okay. No, cool. Like, it's not what the books would use, but this is like an expect a, a an objective value based off of expected wins added, which is a cousin of EPM, which we like so much at dunks and threes. Uh Harden's worth about four points of the spread. And you go like, okay, if you subtract the four from their, their thing last year, clearly it's more. Well, that's in a vacuum. That's if there's no mm-hmm. replacement value. You have to take Maxi and then extrapolate him to per 36 minutes and what you want to come into there is about a point and a half niang is probably worth about a quarter of a point to a half a point so now we're looking at like okay and shake milton's shake milton and niang are probably worth a half point now you're looking at, at, at closer to like maybe two so maybe i'm still too high on them based off of like i i very genuinely was kind of like i don't know how important is harden like i don't know how important harden is the number is probably somewhere between 49 and 51 I don't know that that necessarily, like, that doesn't make me excited to bet an over here. I think on a win total basis, if we look at it through this prism of just losing Harden and getting nothing back, then in that situation, I still wouldn't like it. I would probably like an over if they were to pull off a pretty good trade for Harden, but I don't imagine that happening. Do you have thoughts on, like, the win total specifically and how to play that? Yeah, the win total to me is is the the toughest one because you you got to kind of harness the I don't know you got to kind of lean into it right now because there are so many missing pieces of the puzzle or maybe the pieces of the puzzle are there but we don't know they have they're flipped upside down and we can't even see if it's the right piece of the puzzle right now because there's so many different ways this could play out in the next couple months so to me I actually would lean um just because I think this team is so highly variant and we'll get to that in other markets if anything, I would probably lean towards an under in it. But again, I, to me, the win total is just a little too nerve wracking to to put mm-hmm. myself on either side of right now. I'm actually kind of surprised the books have it up, to be honest, because there is so much up in the air. Um, I, I think I, I pretty much agree with actually everything you walked through of them being a touch over based on last season and bu- that bumping down to right around even if they lose Harden. But I do think, like we talked about, I think Embiid does play fewer games this season. And there is the very distinct possibility of a of a full blow up. 
that, you know, suddenly you're holding over 49 and a half wins and they win, you know, 31 because, you know, and Harden and Embiid are gone. So I, to me, that's not the most appealing way to play this. I think there are more appealing ways and I, I, I probably am a stay away in this market for now. Yeah. So I think the, like, what are the pathways to an under here? The pathways for an under is they don't get good return for Harden. Certainly seems likely. Yeah. Uh, Joel doesn't play as many games. That definitely seems like it's in play based off of he got the MVP. Now he needs to focus on the championship, right? He's been hurt every single postseason. Um, and like nobody else pops, right? The ways that this goes over MB plays 66 plus, Maxi jumps into superstar status. Uh, Nurse is that big of an upgrade over, over Doc. Well, and I'll say I'll say this too. I mean, Harden had a great great season last year. You know, by even by the advanced metrics, by the on off and all that. But they did have a, a pretty good replacement in in DeAnthony Melton when they needed to move Maxi to kind of the lead, mm-hmm. you know, uh, facilitator and Melton yeah. next to him. I really like that five. They, you know, it was only ninety minutes, but the so the 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 dream starting five that they had last year of um, you know Harden, Maxi, Tucker, and Bead and Harris. That was that had a net rating of plus eleven point nine. If you swap out Harden and throw in Melton, it was actually better. It was plus seventeen point six. Now it was only ninety minutes. I am not here to say that that's a better starting five overall. Certainly not in the postseason, but that's a really viable starting five. I do think the upgrade from from Doc to Nurse, especially in the regular seasons, is going to be noticeable. My only worry is that they would somehow talk themselves into starting Pat Bev instead of DeAnthony Melton. Don't love that because um, Melton is is great off the bench as well. So, th- again, this is the land of unknowns right now. There there are so many different ways this could go. But to speak to your point, you know, there are paths to an under. But I think there are paths to an over as well. Um, you know, Embiid, maybe <laughs> maybe Embiid is just going to go regular season and doesn't mind being hurt in the postseason. And he wants to get another MVP. So he plays his 66 games and they start Melton. And, you know, the team stays relatively healthy and Harris – um, you know, quietly had a pretty pretty strong season last year. That that's a team that should win fifty games in East. So I, I think there are paths both ways that are are pretty distinct and possible. Um, which is why overall my 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 biggest takeaway is still that this is not the market for me. Okay, so let's talk about what are what is and what are the markets for you. Give me some of the bets that you think have real value when we look at the carnage that lies in Philadelphia right now. Absolutely. I think the the most fascinating to me, I, I looked at this first and foremost from a player perspective. So um, pardon me here as I just rattle off some numbers. So hopefully uh, this this won't bore the, the listeners too much. But these are, I thought, some pretty interesting numbers. So um, these are from PPP Stats. Great site. Has WNBA stuff too, if you're, if you're trying to look on there. Um, so usage with or without Harden. So Maxi with Harden on the court, 19.0. With him off the court, 30.1. Um, and B, there's not really any change. It goes up about one and a half, um, like from 37.4 to 38.9 points though, maxi 24.9 to 36.5, uh, and B again, about the same, uh, this one may be the most interesting assists, uh, per 100 possessions, maxi 2.8 to 8.1 and B 4.9 to 8.1. So both of those guys see very notable jumps in, in playmaking roles with, with Harden off the court makes perfect sense. Uh, now, the downside to that is both those players see drop in their uh, effective field goal percentages to, to right around league average for both. So you are sacrificing efficiency. 
uh, but you are getting huge increases for Maxi and um, in, in terms of, of playmaking, uh, Embiid is picking up the slack as well. So I think there's a lot, a lot to go off of there. So from a day-to-day angle, I think especially to start the season, I would be looking at um, Maxi and Embiid in, in the assist market. That like the points one is the obvious one. They're they're going to to know that that's there. They're going to adjust the assist. I think is an angle that's maybe. You, you'll be able to find a little bit of an edge there to start the season, especially with Embiid, because again, that's not a like for like. You don't necessarily think of uh, Harden off the court and Embiid more of a playmaker, but that's something we saw last season. Um, from a zoomed out futures perspective, and I think my favorite bet overall um, on on this podcast is Tyrese Maxey, most improved player, plus 1,500. You mentioned it um, at the start of the pod. Um his numbers, uh, the games that Harden was out last year, there are 13 games in which he he played and Harden did not. He averaged 25 points, five and a half assists. Um, that was up from 20 and 3.5 overall. Got about two more minutes of playing time. I think that could increase even more. There were a couple of weird games there where he had limited minutes. Um, and he got better and better as the season went along without Harden. He kind of grew into that facilitator role. He's really primed in that, you know, kind of that age range, that experience and those numbers that we've seen people um, in that in that kind of range really make that leap and win that award um, for in seasons past. So that is is the one that's really popping me. But there's I think we got to keep our eyes on a lot of things if this does go down, especially to start the season and, and kind of the player prop market as well. All right. So let's talk through a lot a little bit. Um, the. Most improved player has been an all-star level player the last couple of seasons. That's been like one of our ways of signaling the most improved player is when those ballots come out and anybody that like pops on that or when the reserves are announced, those are are good bets to make. Do you see a scenario where Tyrese Maxey makes a jump to all-star next season? I do actually. I, I think, especially in you know the east, the east backcourt is always uh, has room for for individuals looking to make that leap. So I think if he, so I, I referenced twenty five points and five and a half assists in the games without Harden. Um, I also mentioned that you know there were a couple of weird games in there where he didn't get as many minutes. I I think that's kind of like the not not the floor. There's obviously a lower floor if he's got bad shooting luck or regresses a little bit. But I think that's a reasonable floor to expect from him if. Harden goes out of town, but the rest of this team, you know, is is pretty much the same, and and he's able to take take more of that role. I think I think you could even see something like you know twenty seven and six, and if if that's what he's going to from twenty and three and a half, I think that absolutely puts him in the All Star game. I think it puts him as probably a lead lead contender for for most improved player. Then here's the other one. Let's say the worst case scenario happens, and Harden goes, and then Embiid asks out, and Embiid's gone too. Do they win enough games for Tyrese Maxey? to be most improved player well this is where i i wonder if i can uh quickly stall for time and bring up brandon anderson's uh research on (laughs) uh most improved player because i know he has looked into this and he has figured out whether uh or not that matters in the in the grand scheme of things so as i as i search for a second do you want to give your thoughts and i'll see if i can figure out what he said yeah, so I think uh, when we look at kind of like the recent history of these types of things and the Most Improved Player Award, and we go back to uh, Brandon Ingram, right? So Brandon Ingram, that team was actually pretty good when he won. Remember, they made the playoffs, but thanks to the bubble uh, play-in tournament, um, the Pelicans were within range there. You've got Julius Randle, 2021, the Knicks make the playoffs. John Morant, 2022, the Grizzlies are a top three C. Lori Markkinen is the exception here. Now, Lori didn't make the playoffs last year in part because Utah, 
turned around and went the other fucking way. Like they were just like, nope, we're out. <laughs> Hard pass for us in the playoffs. But if they had kind of gone for it, they likely probably make it. Uh, 2018, the Pacers, Indiana, uh, again, playoff team. Uh, Siakam, 2019, same kind of deal. 2017, Bucks, on and on and on. These are mostly playoff teams that they've been a part of. Uh, at the same time, like if Maxi comes out and is just like an explosive score, the big key here is going to have to be he's going to have to do he's going to have to put up big numbers efficiently. But I will say that you have to one of the things that this is awarding is kind of shifted from is it's less of a statistical profile. There are statistical profiles we've kind of found and talked about on how to bet MIP, and we'll do that episode here in a couple of weeks. But I do kind of wonder if you have to have like the notor you have to get noticed. And if Embiid's gone, will anybody notice the Sixers enough for Maxi to be able to garner enough attention to win the award? Well, and so you kind of walked through it, but you you were hundred percent right. So the the exact number was that before last season, nine of the previous ten um, winners of most improved player had been in the postseason. So it has historically mattered, but we are also coming off a season in which we saw it not matter. So uh, it, it definitely can be done, but I think it's probably something. It's a very good question to ask. Um, and you know, with without either of them there, I don't see that as a playoff team. First of all, um, but I do think it could be in an annoying team to play because like I said before, Harris, Harris had a pretty solid season last year. Um, I think this, especially under Nick nurse, a team that would, you know, run around and put up some, put up some nice numbers. So I think Maxi could at least be in the conversation. And then when you're in a big market, like a Philadelphia that gets, you know, probably a little bit more, I'm a Knicks fan. I'm, I'm not throwing a, a stone in a glass house. It gets more coverage than it should, to be honest. Those players do kind of sneak their way into the conversation. Maxi has been kind of a darling, um for that for that market in general i think he's he's really well liked in the city and so you know with a with a a prominent presence in in sports media that he's not going to get overlooked as much as you know someone doing the same in in maybe a smaller market in a smaller city so i i think that it's worth thinking about uh when if the full teardown happens if if they're going to win enough but i don't think he'd fully go under the radar i think i think he probably would at least be on folks radar enough to be in the conversation and then whether or not they were winning enough would probably be the determining factor. I'm going to be very mad if I was a year too early on Tyrese Maxey. I'm going to be very, <laughs> very mad on that. Let's talk about the other direction here, because it's interesting to me. And that is odds to make the playoffs. To miss the playoffs entirely, plus 790, almost 8 to 1. This is obviously, like, this is a flat-out Embiid gets traded bet. Now, again, I need to, like, stress this. I am not sitting here being like, it's a gold mine out there and Bede's definitely gone. Like it's in again, the most likely outcome is that Joel and B plays the rest of the season with the Philadelphia 76ers. They are a 45 plus win team. They make the playoffs, et cetera. Like that's the most likely outcome. However, to me, there is a big enough question here about what happens if Harden's gone. There is no way from where I'm at that this ends with Mm, I'll back up. It is hard for me to see the board here. When when Maury had the Simmons situation, I was I am still extremely mad at myself for not seeing the Harden move. Like I I know various actors in that situation well enough. I should have anticipated that to be like, of course he's going to wait and trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Of course, and I was blinded by like, why would Harden leave the Nets? 
that should have taken me about two seconds to be like, oh, because Kyrie Irving's a dip. So like <laughs> that should have been easy to 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 see that plan out there. And it's entirely possible that there's like a long-term vision that I'm missing. And maybe it's Dame, maybe it's something else that's just like, oh no, obviously he's going to hold on to Harden and then trade him for this. I can't see it. And Harden clearly has intentions not to wait that long and to make this so miserable. Um, I didn't kind of mention this at the forefront. Let's be really clear on what Harden's intentions were with his comments over the weekend. He's not talking to Daryl Morey. That Daryl Morey's a liar and I will not play for this. Daryl knows how he feels. They've talked. They know how they, he, he is very aware of, of the situation. That's a shot to ownership. That is trying to get ownership to be like, this is embarrassing. I want it over with. Trade him so we can move on. And if that doesn't work, it's a shot to the NBA to get Adam Silver to call and be like, can you guys go six months without being a goddamn <laughs> clown show? Like, tr- and and force the NBA to be like, you need to get this solved. It's an embarrassment for us. Solve it. And that's the objective from Harden's perspective. So I like, I can't see it. And if there's no star coming back, then Embiid is going to be like, we got that guy. Awesome. Let's go. I think it's only natural to ask what Embiid's next move is. And so if Embiid's gone, obviously 790 is like that that's a <laughs> dream number, right? And so I haven't bet it, but I'm I'm trying to understand how much of a is this worth a shot because of the value this will have and like it, a lot of this is trying to figure out how likely do you think it is that Embiid is gone. And that I think is an impossible number to try and figure out, which is probably why it's not a good bet. But if you are of the opinion that you're just like, yes, there is a cascading effect here. It's a domino effect. Harden's gone for no quality return and beat asks out. And that's the next move. Then Sixers to miss the playoffs is the obvious bet here at 790. Well, and you said this is a bet on Embiid leaving town, but it's it can be a bet on a little bit more than that. I think I can I think it can be a bet on you know a serious Embiid injury. We never you know I I again I love Embiid. I'm not trying to talk this into existence. In fact, the opposite. I I want to see a full healthy season from him. But I mean, he has a, a lengthy injury history. It's also a bet on Embiid being hurt just enough to make things interesting. And the East is a little bit deeper this season. I mean. It's not all that hard to picture six teams being better than the 76ers in the East if he misses, you know, a good chunk of time. You got Celtics, Bucks, Heat, Cavs, Hawks. I think this Hawks team is going to be a little more interesting this season. And Knicks. So say Embiid misses, you know, 30 games instead of his 15 games. Say they don't get the superstar that we think they're going to get back for Harden. And so those games he misses are a little harder to float. If they're around that 45, 46 range, it's not. It's it's not at all hard to imagine them being in the seven seed. Then you know, we we've seen all sorts of craziness happen in those play-in games. It could be an injury. It could be just you lay an egg that a couple nights in a row. That there are paths to this missing the playoffs. I think more than just trading Embiid away from town, which is why I, I yeah I don't think it's a hammer. I don't think it's like go you know mortgage your house and put it on Sixers miss the playoffs plus seven ninety. But I think at this number, uh, I think it's worth. Um, a, a sprinkle right now. Uh, so here's an idea to kind of put this through. We don't have exact seating over unders out in the market yet, mm. but I was looking at a book and it, it, what it had was Sixers are plus 500 to be the one seed plus 500 to be the two seed plus uh, 500 to be a three seed. And then, yeah. And plus 500 to be the four seed. So the odds are, are the same for one through four at five to one. 
I need Brandon to do, be my math guy here. I was um, actually literally pulling it up right now to, to see what, what we were getting. Yeah. At fifth, we go to plus 550. At sixth, we go to 700. Okay. So we've got a drop off after the top four. So that kind of like leads you to a very baseline level of belief that like, okay, the over under for conference seating could be four and a half for the Sixers, which would make a lot of sense here. Right. Um, we can also do that just by win total and look at, you know, who are the, who are the win totals uh, in terms of like who has the uh, the highest win numbers in the East versus the West Celtics are 53 and a half. Uh, Cavaliers are the same as, as the Sixers at 49 and a half. Heat are below at 48 and a half. That will move up if they get Dame. They'll go to 50 and a half, I think. I think. And so it's right in there in the 3-4 range for the Sixers. My point here is that you could probably put this together in a... You could hedge with over four and a half if Embiid stays, or under four and a half if Embiid stays. So they finish top four, and then bet them to miss the playoffs. You're missing out in five and six there. Brandon yeah. probably said that this isn't good value because of the possibility of them landing five or six, and God knows that'd be horrific. Um, <laughs> but I am just kind of interested in the idea of playing both ways on this, of being like, if Embiid's there, the market probably isn't right of how of how good they're still going to be. And if Embiid's gone, we have this value now on the prospect of him not being there. Well, I think it, they're, they're an incredibly high-variant team at this point, so I, I think... Yeah that trying to catch them coming and going isn't the worst idea. I probably would look to do it slightly different maybe than in that, that seed one, just because I feel like the, the, the ceiling is still there for them to be a top two seed. I almost would do, you know, top two seed or miss the playoffs and just cut out a little bit of that, you know, extra middle, because I do think that, you know, if this team has, has the season that we're kind of expecting, but things don't go right. They're going to be right there at the top of the East. So I, I think their ceiling is there. Is there any world in which I know Dame has said he's only going to Miami. Is there any world in which we get him to Philadelphia? Because then I would even, if that's a possibility to me, that's intriguing enough for a title conversation, because I think those two pair so, so well that that raises the ceiling of this, this team. And if, if I'm baking in an Embiid, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to be healthy for the postseason moment. To me, that's an intriguing option as well. I bet it eh, that already in the early days of the Dame saga. So I can't sit here and be like, it's a bad bet because it's one I've already made. <laughs> uh, I think the problem is, I think that if that was a possibility, then it would have already happened because quite yeah. honestly, it would have been, here's what it would have happened. Dame would have been like, I want Miami or Philly. And Philly would have been like, wait, this gets us this gets us out of our problem. So we'll give up our we'll some assets. We'll trade Tobias Harris. We'll trade, you know, they won't give up Maxi, but like we'll trade uh DeAnthony Melton. We'll trade Paul Reed. We'll we'll move these other guys in a sign trade, it would be like we'll move these other guys to make this happen because that covers it it stops the apocalypse from happening, which is what they're facing right now. Right. Yeah, I tend to agree on that. And I, I think that it's why the the ceiling of this team is intriguing. But to me, with the with the extremes being, you know, high priced on either end, the the floor of this, the bottom falling out of this is more intriguing to me as a better than the the extreme ceiling. I think it's a good way to put it. Any uh, last second bets you want to talk about before we get out of here? 
No, I think I think the the most improved player for Maxi is one that that I really like, and then I, I think I will be uh, at least sprinkling a little bit on that Sixers to miss the playoffs as well. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for buckets. My thanks to Jim Turvey for joining us. You can catch him on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Turvey Bets. Make sure to check it out for both WNBA and you can catch that podcast over here, the Buckets Podcast, and uh, as well as catch all of his his plays across the betting universe. We'll be back on Thursday. I'll be back with an episode probably talking about the Elite 100 list, which I'm hopeful to get out this week. That'll be very exciting. Make sure to tune in for that. Next week, we start our full program of offseason, how to bet guides. We're going to start with totals and sides. Good stuff coming to you on NBA betting here on Buckets. My thanks to David Payne, our audio producer. My thanks to all the great crew over on the video side for making this video uh, and my dashing mug worth looking at over <laughs> on youtube uh my name is matt mitchell our coordinating uh podcast producer we'll be back later this week with another episode till then let's get buckets action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem help is available 24 7 at 1-800-GAMBLER